Good morning, Beacon Church. Welcome to yet another Sunday morning video. Uh, it's great to have you with us in just a few moments. Pete Subitsky will be uh, sharing from Hebrews chapter 10, the first half of chapter 10 in a Hebrew series. Jesus is all. He truly is. And I've loved working our way through uh, this book. It's, it's described, the author describes it himself in uh, chapter 13, verse 22 of, of Hebrews. He says, he describes this letter as a brief word of exhortation. I wouldn't call it brief. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. Uh, I dread to think what one of his lengthy letters is like, but I'm so pleased he took his time to work his way through all these wonderful truths about Jesus in such a way we can just grasp more of him, know him more, celebrate him more. And I trust you've been blessed as we do so as well. We're going to continue uh, for the next, next few more weeks. And Pete will be speaking in just a moment. Before he does, uh, just a couple of reminders of what's happening around us. That I know this season, particularly lockdown two, uh, occurring, it can feel very frustrating. We can feel fatigued by it. We can feel powerless within it, hampered and hindered within it. But just be encouraged that the mission is not on pause. There are still opportunities to uh, love others, to bless our neighbours, to pray for them, to uh, point to Jesus in all that we say and we do. So please uh, do just be encouraged by that and know that Jesus is still up to great works around us and he's just asking us to uh, dive in and participate with him. So let's look for opportunities to bless others and point to him. And uh, even when it comes to literally running up our sleeves to help the community around us, even with restrictions in place. Don't forget we've got our parent share uh, project is up and running now. It's available for people. We can carefully drop, drop stuff off to parents of young children who need help with clothes and equipment. Uh, that phone line is now open. You can find details on our Facebook and Twitter feeds. Please share it widely. Tell people we'd love to help where we can. Let people know. If they need help, we'd be ashamed if they haven't heard about it. Uh, as parent share, but then also uh, Canterbury Food Bank. They are looking for volunteers um, who can deliver um, food parcels in pairs. It's, it's safe to do it and right to do it in pairs, um, but also to do it in private cars. Expenses will be covered. They give you a certain, a certain amount of money per mile. Um, but just to deliver food parcels in our private cars, that's less embarrassing for people rather than having a food bank van turn up outside their house. And of course, the more people helping out, the more the need can be met. If you'd like to help out, if you're able to, uh, go to the Canterbury Food Bank website and get in touch with them through there, and they would love to hear from you. I know some of the people involved and they are asking for help. If you can, that would be brilliant. Um, I'm just going to pray now before I hand over to Pete and uh, excited to hear from him. Lord, we, we celebrate you. We thank you so much that you are a God who's revealed himself to us, who has stepped into our brokenness to rescue us and revealed yourself to us through your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for your Holy Scripture. And we, we are simply, as we sit under it again once uh, now and we hear from you, will you truly speak to us? Holy Spirit, we open uh, the ears of our hearts to to uh, hear from you directly, but also to have the courage and the conviction to respond to it as well, Lord. Let us not be unchanged by hearing your word this morning. Uh, we thank you for all the work that Pete's put in prayerfully into preparing for this message, and we look forward to seeing what you might do through it. We hand this time over to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, and over to Pete. 
Good morning, Beacon Church. Today we're going to look at how Jesus' single sacrifice is enough to deal with sin and guilt. First, I'm going to let Abby and Luke read from Hebrews 10, verses 1 to 18. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time, until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This Bible passage might at first read seem quite alien to the modern reader. It contains references to sins, sacrifices and burnt offerings. We might be tempted to think that these things are aspects of primitive religion that don't really have relevance in today's society. What religion used to do to deal with guilt through confession and sacrifice, now we can deal with much more effectively using counselling and therapy. In fact, you might even think that a religious concern for something like sin is what makes people feel guilty and sends them to seek a counsellor in the first place. My aim today is to show you how, far from making us wallow in guilt, Jesus offers the only true solution to our guilt problem. We're going to look at three main points. Firstly, the problem of guilt. Secondly, how we try to deal with guilt. And thirdly, why Jesus' single sacrifice is enough. So my first point, the problem of guilt. Before addressing the content of the text directly, I want to take a step back. The original recipients of this book of the Bible would have taken for granted the necessity of sacrifice. The author tries to persuade the the readers or hearers, in fact, that animal sacrifices can't take away their sins. Now, I imagine this isn't a problem for us. In fact, for many of us listening to this, even the idea of needing to deal with something called sin might seem totally alien. We need to do some work before we can pick up the argument in the book of Hebrews. So the word sin or sins appears several times in this passage, and it's crucial to the argument. Sin is a multifaceted concept, but to help us understand the passage here, I'd just like us to think of it as guilt and shame before God. 
We might have trouble with the word sin, but we all understand what it means to feel guilty for our actions and ashamed of things that we've done. And it's not a pleasant feeling. The Bible describes how God made the world to be good. He created everything good, but mankind rebelled against him and brought destruction and chaos into his creation. As a result, a kind of dark brokenness entered human nature. So while we might do some amazingly good things, each of us in our own way has rebelled against God and brought that chaos and destruction into the world around us, whether we realise it or not. We stand guilty before God and for our wrong thoughts and actions, and we experience shame because of our brokenness. This is what makes us want to run and hide from God, just as Adam and Eve did when they first sinned. My second point is about how we try to deal with guilt and how ultimately it's not enough. There are different dimensions to dealing with guilt when we've wronged someone, we're we're the people that have done the wrong. There's a therapeutic element where we try to move from being trapped in guilty feelings and to understand what we've done from a, a different perspective and move on. There's a relational element where we try to fix the relationships that our actions have broken But then there's also the need for justice, for the wrong to be righted and sometimes for a penalty to be paid. Often we focus on the first and the second of these, the therapeutic and the relational elements, at least when we're the ones that have done the wrong. Counselling might help us try to understand the context of our actions and why we did what we did and to be less hard on ourselves, to to understand that we're not perfect and to to give ourselves a break. We might even take steps to apologise for what we've done and to try to mend broken relationships. And these aren't bad things. In fact, they can be really good things. We can see this pattern with celebrity apologies, and there seem to be quite a lot in the media. Uh, There's often an attempt to mend broken relationships, either with the people they've wronged or just with the fans, by saying sorry, often publicly. And many times this is accompanied by a kind of therapeutic story um, that explains why the celebrity isn't really a bad person. They were young, they were ignorant, they didn't understand their actions. Perhaps they were blinded by their own battles against injustice or addiction or depression or whatever it is they were fighting. And they've learned from their mistakes and they're going to become a better person now. These things aren't necessarily bad in themselves, but they don't go far enough. They don't remove the guilt and they don't satisfy the demands of justice. It's like if you get a parking ticket, as we did this week, and you write to the council saying... I'm very sorry, please forgive me, I was having a bad day. Um, I will learn from this and I will become a better road user. In fact, I'm getting help to learn to become a better parker. They're likely to say, that's great, but you still have to pay the penalty charge. There's a penalty for parking without a valid permit or ticket and it must be paid. That's a silly example, but think about situations where you've been left in a really horrible situation or mess by somebody's thoughtless or unkind actions. Something in you says, somebody has to pay for this. Or perhaps you're a very forgiving person, that's not your reaction. But think about how you would react to hearing how somebody had done a terrible crime and been found guilty, but been let off without any charge because, well, he seemed genuinely sorry. Most of us would think that was unjust and we would not think the judge was very good. The problem for us is that before God, we are all guilty. It's not a popular idea. There's many voices in our society that want to say essentially that we are all good people and we just need to let our true self shine forth. The only problem with that idea is the actual evidence of the world around us. 
If we're all such good people, why do we hurt each other so much? If we're all such good people, why are we destroying the environment? Why are we so cold to the needs of the poor? It's easy to look around outside ourselves for people to blame, perhaps politicians, bankers, the rich, the poor, the young, the old, etc. But the reality is that the problem dwells in each of us. We have all done wrong against God and we've contributed to the unravelling of his good creation that sin produces. We stand guilty before him as rebels and we need to pay the appropriate penalty. This isn't because it's God is bad, it's because he's good. And it's not because he's hateful, it's because he's loving. When you look at the evil that exists in the world around us, God would not be good if he just let it go. Actually, it's because God is loving, it's because God is good that he has to deal with sin and evil. The consequence of sinning against the God of life is alienation from him and therefore ultimately death. That's why in Romans 6, the Apostle Paul writes that the wages of sin is death. We're in a tricky situation. We need somebody to pay the penalty for us. The only way out for us is if somebody pays that penalty for us. And that's where sacrifices come in, though they might seem like a really outdated concept. That's part of the idea behind them. In the Old Testament, God provided his people with a system of sacrifices for dealing with their sins. For a sin offering, for example, the one who had done wrong would take an animal without any imperfections to the priest. This would have been costly for the person offering the animal. The one offering the sacrifice would lay his head and lay his hands on the animal's head and then the priest would slaughter the animal, carefully collect the blood and sprinkle it against the altar. Uh, the, The animal would then be burnt uh, or parts of the animal, the, in, the innards of the animal would be burnt and the animal would be cooked and eaten. There are also other kinds of sacrifices, including a series of sacrifices and offerings associated with the Day of Atonement, which was a yearly festival when the priests would atone for the sins of the people. And these were extremely important aspects of Jewish religion. However, the sacrifices were limited. They could only deal with certain kinds of sins, And they had to be repeatedly offered, as the writer of Hebrews says, year after year. In that sense, we might see them as something a bit like a sticking plaster. It could be placed over a smaller cut or a wound just to stop the flow of blood, but it can't deal with a serious injury. The author of Hebrews argues that the, the fact that these sacrifices had to be offered year after year and that they didn't cleanse the consciences of the ones that offered them says that that's evidence that they didn't ultimately work. He concludes that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, this conclusion might not seem shocking to us, but it might have been for some of the original recipients of this message. Remember that God gave this system of sacrifices to the Jewish people. How could it be that they were not effective, these God-given sacrifices? Well, the author of Hebrews has already said that these aspects of Jewish religion were shadows that pointed to a reality, a greater reality that was to come. They weren't meant to be an end in themselves. In fact, he quotes Psalm 40 to show that God wasn't pleased with the sacrifices and burnt offerings on their own. This psalm also looks forward to a Messiah who was coming to deal with the problem of sin through his perfect obedience to the will of God. 
In one sense, we might compare the Old Testament sacrifices to something like paper money that children use to play with. The paper money, the play money, teaches children how to use money to make real transactions, and it's meaningful for the children. A child might even demonstrate real generosity using paper money and giving it away, because if it matters to them. And a kind parent or a relative might actually let a child buy something real with paper money because of the child's sincerity and because the love that the relative has for them. At the same time, the payment money has no actual value at all in the real world. If you were to take your Monopoly money to the shop and ask to buy something, I think they, they would laugh at you or they, they would be shocked. Um, similarly, the Old Testament sacrifices were meaningful in, to the extent that the people brought them in faith and obedience. And God used them to teach his people about the need for a pure sacrifice to deal with sin. But in themselves, they were powerless to accomplish anything. Hence, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. If this was true for the system of sacrifices that God gave his people, how much more is it true for our kind of homemade attempts to put ourselves right with God? Our kind of religious efforts, trying to do good works, be a nice person, give to charity, attend church, recycle, etc. to pay the penalty for our sin. It's like trying to use monopoly money to buy a car. It won't work. So my final point is that Jesus' sacrifice is enough, whereas the sacrifices of the bloods of bulls and goats weren't enough. The single sacrifice of Jesus is enough to deal with our guilt and our sin. So the good news is that these Old Testament sacrifices look forward to a perfect once for all time sacrifice that would be enough to deal with our sins. The author of Hebrews shows that Jesus is the Messiah referred to in Psalm 40, where we have all failed to do the will of God and have rebelled against him. Jesus came and accomplished the will of God perfectly. He was perfectly obedient, even to the point of offering his own life as a sacrifice for sins. All the perfect, spotless bulls, goats, lambs and other animals offered on the altar pointed forward to the perfect spotless son of God whose blood would take away people's sins. At the start of Jesus' earthly ministry John the Baptist pointed at him and identified him as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus lived a perfect life in a way that we failed to do and gave himself up to death on the cross in our place to deal with our sin. As he breathed his final breath, Jesus said, it is finished. And after three days, he rose from the grave in victory. 40 days later, he ascended to heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God the Father because his work was complete. This is like a heavenly mic drop moment. The author of Hebrews writes that every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He sat down because no further sacrifice was needed. No one can add or take away from the perfect offering of Jesus Christ. 
we can only choose to accept it for ourselves or reject it. If we choose to accept his offering for us by faith, we're perfected for all time. Our sin is dealt with and our consciences are washed clean from guilt. The offering of Jesus deals with our sin at all levels. The penalty is paid. We are reconciled to God and we are cleansed from guilt in our consciences. All the priests try to remove sin again and again without success. Jesus steps onto the stage and does it in one go, then drops the mic. It is finished. As well as dealing with our guilt, God writes his laws on our hearts so that over time we become more like him. This is what it means for us to be sanctified. When this passage refers to those who are being sanctified, he means those who have had their hearts changed and who are becoming more like Jesus. This isn't done in a day. It takes time for us to grow and change. In fact, it takes a lifetime until Jesus comes again. In that sense, we are not yet perfect, but Jesus has removed all of our guilt and shame. In that sense, he has perfected us for all time and we can approach him and enter his presence. Listen to that verse again. It's an amazing verse. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This is astoundingly good news. I want to make sure that we don't miss it. From the moment that you trust in Jesus' finished sacrifice, all of your sin is taken away and the stain of guilt is removed from your conscience. And this isn't just until the next time you blow it and you have to go through it all again. Jesus' single sacrifice is enough to perfect you for all time. It's like the blood of Jesus is so cleansing and so pure that once it's been sprinkled over your life, no stain can stick to it. This is true for you while you are still on the journey of becoming more like Jesus. You will have ups and downs on the road to holiness, but all the way you can know that your sins are covered, your guilt is removed. Jesus' single sacrifice remains enough for you every day of your journey. This is incredibly freeing. It means that we don't have to evaluate whether we are okay with God based on our feelings on any given day, as I often do. Um, it means that we don't have to work out whether we've got the right behaviour or level of holiness for us to be okay with God. We can trust that Jesus' sacrifice means that ultimately we now stand guiltless before God. It also frees us from the need to be right and to constantly strive to convince ourselves that we are good people. You know, we can actually say... I'm not a great person, but God loves me anyway and he's forgiven me. We don't need people to always affirm our choices or to tell us we did the right thing. We don't need to be right. We will be able to accept criticism and own our failures because we know that they've been dealt with once for all time at the cross. When we fail, even when we deeply hurt others by our sins, we do not have to seek to justify ourselves or to... Uh, atone for our mistakes even by doing good things but we can know that Jesus forgives us and accepts us despite our sins and that he has really dealt with them. In that moment of abject moral failure we can find freedom in the knowledge that, to use Tim Keller's words, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe yet at the very same time we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared imagine. We can be ourselves, not because we are awesome, but because we're forgiven. What a wonderful and glorious truth. Just to repeat that Tim Keller quote 
that Pete shared just at the end. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared imagine. Christian, enjoy that truth. Bathe in it. Remind yourself of it. Live in the freedom of it. Let's enjoy. Let's celebrate. There's a couple of songs in the in the link uh, connected to this um, video um, to celebrate him through song. But let's even more importantly, let's celebrate him during our everyday weeks in all that we do. Let's live out this wonderful truth that we are as human beings, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever did believe. And yet in Jesus, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared imagine. You, Christian, are cleansed and forgiven. Enjoy it. If you don't know Jesus, if this is all brand new to you, then please do get in touch. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk these things through with you. You too can know this wonderful freedom, this forgiveness and cleansing from the brokenness that we can't undo. He can and has. You can step into that freedom. The invitation is there for you to reply to. His hand is outstretched to you. Please reach out and take it. You can pray with him now. You can talk to him about your own brokenness and accept and enjoy what he has done for you in your place. He stood in your place on that cross with your sin on his shoulders to set you free. You can know that freedom right now. You can do that now, but please do get in touch with us as well. We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to help you. We'd love to pray with you. Enjoy what is available in Jesus. Jesus is all. Have a great week. Bless you guys.